Hi, I'm Graham Mack and welcome to the Pod 20. And on this week's show, the intimate and sometimes embarrassing topics covered by Bildo and Lindelin in the Wine Chats podcast, the art of interviewing with Jim Daly and Giles Paley Phillips from Blank Podcast, the PR guru Paul Blanchard with his view on how the world will be after the pandemic. Edward Hardy will talk about being a Brit who talks to Americans about their political system. I'll ask Tim Sylvie from Motormouth if Formula One will ever go all electric. And Maria Passingham from Equal Parts will talk about her new podcast, which is about people who communicate with the future. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now and at number 20, The Mindset Mentor. Rob Dial tells you how to become the best version of yourself. 19. The Joe Rogan Experience. Joe's latest guest is the stand-up comedian Nate Bargatze. 18. Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindelin. Now, you two don't seem to have a filter. I'd like to go through a couple of episode titles from Wine Chats and find out more about them. Um, <laughs> The episode entitled Never Have We Ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was fun. What was in that one? Yeah. Well, we played a drinking game, a very popular drinking game. And we just asked each other, never have I ever. Yeah. So who who did? I think you did worse than I did, did you? I don't think so. I feel like that was not probably a good thing for either of us. Was was that the poop stories? Oh, I don't know. I have a feeling oh, they had a few. No, look. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know what? You shouldn't make that face because poop is normal. Poop is normal. Yes, yes it. it is. Poop is normal and stories are normal. But when you have poop stories, that's when you think, okay, mm-hmm. if it's that much of an incident, it's become a story, then then yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe but, it deserves a face, you know? Right. But see, this is the thing. People get embarrassed. Why? Everybody poops. Everybody okay. Poops. Uh, well, if it's just a standard story of pooping, yes. But when it's poop story suggests yeah. <laughs> that there's an extra element or twist to it, doesn't it? And there definitely was. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what up. was the yeah. twist? Well, we pooped oh. our pants, Graham. Haven't okay. you? Okay. Okay. Uh, not <laughs> yeah, since I was, I was five. Thank. Like uh, so, so far, so good. I mean, I, I've got some. You know, I'm sure in my elderly years, I'll get that number above one <laughs> at some stage, but you it is, it is holding at one. Yeah. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's an actual story behind it. We just, it's not that we're in You should listen. listen to yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I was trying to do, I mean, I've listened to a few episodes, but I was just trying to get, to save some time listening to them all. I thought some of the ones I've just seen the titles, I thought maybe yep. you can fill in the details. Okay. Well, let's yeah. move on then. Uh, the episode yeah. in, entitled Sex Hack. Oh. Oh, the marriage sex hack. That was, that was yeah. yours. Yeah. Mm. Lenny, tell them what the sex hack is. I don't know. What was my sex hack? Remember the, the three days? Oh, that one. Oh, yes. right. Okay. So I have a girlfriend that was trying to spice up her love life. And she was like, Lindsay, you got to do this. If you have sex, now bear with me, three days in a row. For a guy, he's like, yes, yeah, sweet. I could do that. No problem, right? But for us girls, three nights or days in a row, that's a lot of sex. Like, I go once and I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet. I'm good for like three weeks, right? Leave me alone. So her theory was, and what happened with her and her husband was, they had sex for three days in a row, and she was good to go every night. After that, 
So she just couldn't get enough of her husband. It just, I guess, fueled her fire, so to speak. So I she see. was like, "Oh, right, right, yeah." yeah. So, so this is a saying, tip now. Mm. Well, Lenny had to do the test. <laughs> right. We had to, you know, for science for scientific purposes, of research, course. research. We needed to make sure that this, you know, theory holds out. So Lenny, it didn't hold out. Mm. <laughs> it did not. Spoiler I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh god. Look, the first thing was fine. That's that's oh, fine. Nice. Yeah. But then I was like, man, I got to do that all over again tomorrow. But you did. I did. And then the third night, my husband was too tired. I'm like, yes. So see, it worked out in everybody's best interest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the theory didn't work on me, um, but it could work on some people. You just never know, do you? Wine Chats is at number 18 this week on the pod 20. 17, Anatomy of Murder. To truly understand a murder case, you need to dissect each piece of a tragic puzzle. 16. No Such Thing as a Fish, the award-winning podcast from the QI offices. At 15. Equal Parts from Maria Passingham. It's a podcast where couples tell the story of how they met. Maria, before podcasting, you worked in radio. BBC Six Music, right? Started out, really, working for Six Music, yeah, um... I got, a, I got a work experience placement there on Steve Lamax's show, which was amazing. Like, wow. honestly, the best time of my life. Um, I, I stayed at a friend's parents' house in London. And every time I got on the tube to get back to their house, I was just beaming. Like, I must have looked really, really mad. Um, but, you know, joyfully mad. Um, and then, and then yeah, I got some freelance work off the back of that and, and loved my time there. But, you know, there's budgets and and I was sort of last in first out sort of thing I think <laughs> yeah well what we, you would have learned a lot there what kind of stuff oh did gosh. it open yeah. your eyes to uh I mean research I think you know research for guests and working with talent and um putting together little packages like I was turning around things you know that would be that would be on air sometimes and and later in other placements more so um and sort of show running, you know, notes and, and or just all of the things that go into making a radio show happen live, basically. And then some of the kind of, you know, preloaded materials too. Yeah, it was it was totally formative. Be a great grounding for what you ended up doing because the production values in equal parts are outstanding, the way you put it Thank together. You. And we will we will get onto that. While we're just talking about that though, you know, writer and producer. Also host as well. You you co-host a new podcast too. Tell me about this one. <laughs> yeah, so this one's called Hope This Finds Me Well. Um, it's uh, it's it's a, an original production by the company that I work for in my day job, which is Edit Audio. Uh, we're a production company, and um, so it's our it's our first in-house production. And so we are kind of three of us are hosting it and producing it and doing everything. Um, yeah, I'd never really like wanted to be, it wasn't a dream to be a host or a presenter, hence the kind of slightly re reduced status in equal parts. Um, but Hope This Finds Me Well was kind of like our baby. And so it was only really appropriate that we hosted it, I think. And actually, I've kind of come to love it. <laughs> what's what's but, the, yeah, the theme really for that it. one then? Because equal parts oh, is about couples meeting stories. It's very romantic. Yes. What's Hope This yeah. Finds Me Well? It's not about that. Although we do touch on love a lot. I mean, it's just, it's such a big issue or, or topic in people's lives. Um, it's about writing to our future selves. So there's a website called Future Me and you can write letters and schedule them to arrive in the future. And I've, I've done used that. it for I've a actually, decade. Oh, I've wow. Actually, I've actually done that. I've actually. Great. 
Yeah, I've sent myself. It sends you. Is that the one which sends you an email in the future? You put the mm-hmm. date and the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when you write that, uh, you can either just send it to yourself or you can make it public but anonymous. And the public ones end up on a on a part of the website, and you can just read through people's innermost thoughts, <laughs> and it's amazing. And I found myself doing that and think like I wanted to ask people you know, like what's happened? What, how does this resolve? And, and you sound really upset in this moment or this sounded like an amazing day. And so the, the concept is that we actually have spoken to some of those people and found out what's happened in the time between what they remember about that moment in their lives. And it's funny because we start off with these letters, which are sometimes really, really heavy and emotional, or sometimes really kind of seemingly light and fluffy. And we just go on these, ama- we turn these amazing corners and we just like found it such amazing human connection, which is kind of also what Equal Parts is about. So I yes. think that I'm working out that's what I love to tell stories about. What a great place to find stories. Maria Passingham's Equal Parts is at number 15 this week on the pod 20. 14, The Midpoint with Gabby Logan. Gabby is middle-aged and unashamed. And her latest guest is Russell Brand. 13. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. At 12. Motormouth, the podcast about motorsport. One of the presenters is Tim Sylvie. Tim, Formula E is becoming more popular. Do you think the day will come when all Formula One cars are electric? No, I don't think so. You think it will always be for pure... I mean, because we still have horse racing and we don't have horse-drawn things anymore. You think it'll be that kind of thing? I think so. I mean, Formula E have been quite clever. They they got a contract for... uh, They they have exclusivity for 25 years um, on single-seater electric racing cars. So Formula One couldn't go electric even if it wanted to. Um, But... I don't think they want to. They're two very separate things. Formula One is still regarded at the moment as the pinnacle of racing. Um, and despite all the electrification worldwide and government's plans to, um, you know, reduce their carbon footprints um, and introduce EVs across our road network, it still feels like there's a place for this sort of hybrid turbo that Formula One produces. Um, even if it becomes a bit of a throwback, you know, series, um, it can't really lose that um, visceral power that you get from um, you know, a combustion engine, even though now it, it is it is very much a, a hybrid. I wonder what difference that will make to the works things, because if like, for instance, say Mercedes are forced to make their production cars electric, which they will be soon, is it, yeah. uh, you know, you yeah, because well, it does, you know, let's face it, Formula One sells cars. You know, a, a guy driving a Mercedes may feel like a Formula One driver on his way to work yeah. one day because he's driving a Mercedes. And I wonder if that will have an effect on it. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because you know, Formula E, it's been, we're going into its seventh season now. So um, it's becoming more well established and it's done brilliantly for certain manufacturers. But interestingly, manufacturers are now pulling out. Um, so, you know, there's one or two, um, that have said, you know, as far as we're concerned, Formula E has done its job, you know, it's, it's told our story about electrification for us as a manufacturer. So we leave, we're done, we're done with that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what will happen next, you know, whether it's, you know, is it going to be hydrogen that, that, you know, there'll be some new hydrogen based series that will, will take over, you know, um, but I think Formula One, as far as I can tell, and from the people I speak to, they seem to feel it's safe and it's secure. And it, it while it needs to adapt and change, it, it's um, 
it's still got its future cemented as as the pinnacle of, of motor racing. Is it safe though? Because we had that horrific crash. I forget the driver's name. You know where he's Roman there. Grosjean. Yeah, when he's in a ball of fire. Now, if he was in an yep. electric car, you know, he wouldn't have had that issue. True, but I mean, it's testament to the safety of Formula One now that um, he came out of that pretty much unscathed. I mean, he yeah, hit that barrier. About it, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, he, he had some burns to his hands, which, you know, he, he touched something and it burnt through the gloves. He damaged his foot a little bit trying to extract himself. But um, the halo that the Formula One cars on these days probably saved his life. And um, the fireproof um, uh, clothing that they wear is so advanced now that he was sat there for 27, 28 seconds in a ball of fire and came out with his suit looking almost brand new. Um, yeah, and yeah. You know, amazing that Formula One has got to a point where that you can have an accident like that with a guy sitting in a fireball for half a minute and he effectively just walks away with, with burnt hands. Yeah, just incredible. Motormouth is at number 12 this week. At 11, off menu with Ed Gamble and James A. Caster. Ed and James invite special guests into their magical restaurant to choose their favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert and drink. At 10... Sword and Scale, True Crime, The Dark Side of Humanity and Human Nature, Murder, Rape, Dismemberment and Cannibalism, No Crime is Too Brutal and No Victim is Too Pure, The Worst Monsters Are Real. Number 9, The Hardy Report from Edward Hardy. Ed, your podcast deals with American politics, but where are you from? I grew up in the in the north of England, and uh, I, I went to school down in the south of England. Hence, how I lost uh, lost my accent. Uh, sort of, probably people in the north consider that a bit of a portrayal, probably the way that I speak now. But um, I went to school down south, and uh, I, I've sort of grown up uh, around the London area and around that Westminster side, which is where I got my UK political uh, interest from, because I've been around that environment for such a long time. And I mean, the UK side has been incredibly fascinating in in the last few years. And we had some great guests on the podcast actually talk about uh, UK politics. We had uh, then Secretary of State for Scotland, David Mundell, actually on the day that Theresa May announced she was stepping down as Prime Minister. And that was a really lucky coincidence, but fantastic interview that we we got out of it. And uh, it really shaped my my passion for politics, uh, being so fortunate to be around Westminster for, from such a young age, really. Um, and, and as I say, I, again, it helped really get these these fantastic guests, which they're the people that make the podcast what it is. I, I have to always say it's, you know, I might host it and do the questions, but really it comes down to those fantastic guests we've managed to get on. Yeah, but you hold your own with them. Your your knowledge and your research that you do, you I mean, and you've got some guests who have got some pretty deep thoughts and some pretty deep understanding of the system, and you definitely hold your own with them. As as a Brit, do you find that that surprises a lot of the American guests? I think it does. the The accent seems to help with Americans. <laughs> they seem to sort of find it quite disarming when you have a British accent. I don't know what it is about our accent, but but Americans seem to love it. But yeah, it's sometimes having to challenge people who are really quite senior in these roles. You know, I'm a 25 year old. I'm relatively young and interviewing, say, a White House correspondent who's been doing their job for several decades. And you have to ask them these questions that you want to get 
the interesting responses that haven't just been said time and time again. And that's really the challenge about it is you have to do so much research into these individuals, their career, what they might have said. And I think sometimes it does surprise them when we'll be having the interview and I'll go, and this thing that you mentioned several years ago that you talked about how to cover a a president, for example, or someone on the campaign trail, you say, actually, you said this, uh, and this is an interesting approach to take. I mean, for example, one of my uh, latest interviews was with Tom Steyer, who ran for president in 2020, but he's been involved in the Democratic Party as a a sort of activist and donor for, for quite a long time. And we were talking about climate change, which in itself, fascinating topic, something that really needs to be addressed. But we went into his role as uh, in the whole sort of process as a billionaire about how it could be funded. People talk about how that links to a wealth tax, something he supported, but he's also in the category that would be affected by it. And we had a really interesting discussion on something that most people would ask him simply just about climate change, but we ended up going into his personal connection to it. And it's those sort of approaches that I think make the show an interesting listen for people. And it is. It's a great listen. The Hardy Report is at number nine. At eight, comedy gold mines with Kevin Hart. Dive into the minds of some of the world's funniest people. Kevin's latest guests are Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Seven, that Peter Crouch podcast. Peter Crouch, Tom Fordyce and Chris Stark bring you their guide to being a professional footballer. At number six, Media Masters with the PR guru Paul Blanchard. Paul, as well as the podcast, you're also a best-selling author. What else are you up to? So I'm um, carrying on with my business, Right Angles. I'm writing a second book, um, which should be coming out toward the end of this year. And I'm also launching another venture as well so i mean we produce a lot of podcasts ourselves for clients but they're part of our thought leadership retainer model whereas the the sister business i'm launching is called podcast partners and where we're going to do joint venture podcasts with the presenter so we we take someone we've already done one with uh, anthony scaramucci who um, is a a friend of mine and uh, we've launched mooch fm yeah and that's a joint venture so he presents it and tweets about it but we we decide the guests produce it, write the scripts and, you know, do all the editing and the branding and the upload and all the promotion. And we're going to monetize it as well. And it's 50 50. So it's not it's it's a different model to the sort of hundreds of podcast companies that will charge someone a grand a month or whatever to, to do a podcast. This is one where, you know, we'll we'll do it for you as our sweat equity. So that's exciting because we've identified a lot of people who, you know, should be podcasting, really, but have either never thought to or don't want to spend two, three grand a month of their own money to sort of get it off the ground. You know, this might, it's a shared risk model, really. The the most they're going to risk is their, their time and their, well, in theory, their reputation, if it, if it quote unquote fails, but uh, we don't think it will. So, so that's interesting. And um, just frankly, just getting through this pandemic. I yeah. mean, you know, if yeah. I can get out of it alive and haven't gone bankrupt and uh, lost everything, then uh, I mean, so many other people are, it's just, I'm very, very grateful for the fact that things could be a lot worse for me. Um, how are you finding it? Well, it's changed my world. I I got let go in February, and then the oh. yeah, and then so I wasn't that worried, you know, because I've been in radio a while and I had a lot of mates and I had uh, I had meetings set up and I had a couple of interviews set up here and there, and then of course along comes a pandemic and everything got cancelled, 
And I thought, well, this severance package isn't going to last forever. I've got to work out mm. something to do. So I went online and I found out that you can set up a business of your own uh, narrating and producing audio books. And I've been doing that. And since May, I've produced 37 audio books and I'm doing quite nicely. Thank you very much. And it's something I would never, I, mean, I, I just, you know, do them from my wardrobe. Uh, I wow. obviously have the weekly show on podcast radio, which pays a little bit. But, you know, the bulk of my, my living now comes from producing audio books. And some of them they pay you per finished hour. And some of them you get a, a 50% royalty share in the book. So there's a passive income coming in and... Wow. I just did be great. And, you know, so hate to say it because, you know, a pandemic is an awful, horrible thing, but I've come out great from it. So, yeah, weird, isn't it? How it just, it's changed the world, this thing. I think it's going to be the best thing for many things, like in terms of, you know, the whole great reset argument, isn't it? That people have, um, that it's given people an opportunity to pause and decide what's right for them. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that the, the world will ever be the same again. I mean, you know, I've got 10 people and, you know, my team have already said they want to work from home half the working week, even when we have an office. So then I think, yeah. well, what's the point in having two or three people in every day? Because we, we should all come in Monday, Tuesday. So we're all got the benefit of coming in. And, and then you think, well, am I going to rent an office that's empty three days a week? I mean, do I buddy up with another company and timeshare it? I mean, there's lo- I, I just think there's loads. It's like you're pulling on one string of the tapestry. The whole thing's going to unravel. You know, there's so many knock-on consequences now in terms of how things are going to change that I don't think that we've realised yet what's actually going to change and what's going to stay the same. It's going to be a brave new world, Paul. Media Masters is at number six on the pod 20. Number five is Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number four, Shagged, Married, Annoyed. The only way Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring at their phones is by doing a podcast. At three, Blank Podcast with Jim Daly and Giles Paley-Phillips. Now, before this podcast, you two had never worked together before, but you seemed to click in quite quickly into doing double-headed interviews with guests. We got quite a good little sort of patter going with asking the questions. It helped when we were in the same room. Yeah. I think we'd be able to give each other the little eye or something. And there has been a few early doors where it did, there'd be a few lulls that go quiet and... um, we wouldn't know who was going to ask the next question, but it never got in the way of the chat. It never really sort of derailed it. And you're really good, Giles, if it does go quiet. There have been a few times that I've thought, I've got no follow-up question here whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go quiet and see what Giles does. And he'll just sort of sweep in and sort of move it on. And and that's just Giles's own skills and qualities coming into play. But I think we managed to just get a, a decent partnership going on early doors. And it, it is slightly different doing them now over, over Zoom and, uh, during lockdown but even then uh, we haven't had any conversations that have derailed I think we just we know each other I think in terms of our questioning style and stuff and we you know we're well, quite good at letting each other sort funny of actually jump you say in that I questioning think. style Jim because I don't think it's I never call them interviews because no, they are conversations they're conversations yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. you have totally. to treat it like that and you know I mean I think probably our only thing is occasionally you know might um more, more than any lulls, I think it's probably more that we probably want to say, ask a question at the same time. So sometimes you, you end up talking yeah. over each other. That's that obviously that's that's, you know, we sometimes have to say, oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't talk but that doesn't happen you know. often, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I think maybe we're just lucky we've got this kind of this 
this sort of energy or vibe that we know we can sort of feed off each other a little bit and know. And I guess that's doing, you know, that's come about by doing quite a lot of them together. Yeah. I mean, it was always my intention that I wanted to do something collaborative. I've never done any broadcasting before. I'm not, you know, the occasional interview with regards to doing, you know, books or whatever, but not, you know, it's never been anything I've had an experience of doing. So I really wanted, I was a bit scared about possibly doing it on my own. I felt really nervous about that. So it was always my intention to collaborate with someone else on it. And also that um, I wanted to um, do something slightly different because there's a lot of really great, I mean, there's loads of fantastic interview podcasts, but they do tend to be that Frost Nixon style where you've got, you know, it's one on one. Yeah. It's, yeah, 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 and that's yeah. great, and it's and they and they work really well. But for me, that wasn't something you know. I liked the idea of having more voices in the room to a certain extent, and mm. and and the, the sort of the, having three people having a conversation like we are now is quite. I think it's. I think it leads to some interesting sort of, you know, an interesting flow of of, of conversation more more so than you know than one on one, which you know you, you then you've got a lot more direct. And I think for me, I was thinking there will probably would be more kind of down moments and i think if we did this podcast 10 years ago when i was still sort of a quote-unquote journalist i think i would be approaching it differently i think i would be thinking let's talk about this let's talk about this but i'll give you a little secret here graham um i never prep any questions <laughs> i was about to podcast, ask that i was ab- ever but i actually it's actually quite intentional because i don't want to be looking at a list of paper and thinking well this the guest is moving away from this let's talk about this talk about this i'm happy to let the conversation flow. And then when the guest says something interesting that triggers something in my mind, I think, oh, that reminds me of, oh, that's a good, oh, and I'm happy to jump in there. And for me, that feels more natural and I'd rather do that. I'm happy to jump in and say a stupid story about myself. um, If, you know, if that helps the conversation, which it often doesn't, but I do it anyway. Um, But that, I find that more natural. I'm hoping that that leads to a more conversational style than going down 0.1.2.3. We do, I mean, Giles, we do some there are some episodes where we do think it would be nice we don't write questions but we write like pointers it'd be nice if we talked about this it'd be nice if we went that way but but if we get to the end of an episode and we haven't we never force it we're just like okay it didn't go there but it, that's fine we still got an interesting hours chat so yeah there's, there's certainly never really an, an agenda i don't think i think before. the other great thing as well and one of the things that makes podcasts so appealing is you're not up against the clock Whereas all the years I worked in radio, you got a slot with someone and it was usually very short and you had certain, you had a reason why they were on. You had to cover these points and you had to get to it. When I worked for BBC, you'd have someone in your ear and, you know, but when it's open-ended and you're going to, you're going to say, oh, well, we're going to chat for, I don't know, 40 minutes, an hour. (laughs) You know, if it's like literally, you don't get that in radio. You, you get these, these slots and it might be, you know, 20 minutes is long. You, you, you might get five or 10 usually with, with a bigger name or a, or a cabinet minister if you're doing that kind of show. So having it so that you've got time to just go wherever mm. it takes you. I went to a, a, an awards in New York once, a radio awards, and I forget his name now, but there was a Canadian guy who had won best talk show host like in the world. And he was famous. It's a guy, I don't know if you've seen the interview. He's famous for doing an interview with... Uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Billy Bob Thornton's oh. horrible. 
Yes, that's the yes. When he went on to talk about yeah, that's a it's 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 the most excruciating. Yes, right. Well, that the, the guy, guy, the interviewer, who I forget the name of, that yeah. was the guy that was was receiving this award. So, Jim, if you haven't seen it, sorry, Graham. I'm it's a great say, interview. Go on just... YouTube because um, basically Billy Bob Thornton has obviously beforehand said, "I don't want to talk about my movies. I'm here to talk about my, <laughs> my band. music. Yeah, my music. Oh, okay. It's really important to me." And so I think the guy within five, 10 minutes, he'd said, it doesn't it help to have like be a Hollywood star with your <laughs> music to get your music out there. And for the rest of the interview, Billy Bob Thornton wouldn't basically wouldn't talk. I mean, he was no. like, and, and the interview was yeah. doing quite, because he was going like, well, just to give a bit of context, I think he was saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you're not just a straight music, but, and, and it went, it got worse and worse and worse. Well, anyway, that guy who actually is quite a good interviewer mm-hmm. and I forget his name to my great shame. At this awards, when he won this award for best talk show, he said with interviews, and it's a, obviously it's a Canadian reference. Yeah, he said you got to follow the puck. Mm. Okay, which yeah, yeah. is which is which is quite good. It's no good you having a list of things you want to go with. Yeah, the the guest is gonna kind of if they send you off a certain well, you got to follow that because it's like yeah. no, wait a minute, did you just say yeah. someone else who's great at that is a broadcaster who I love is is from Chicago, a guy called Jonathan Brandmeyer who I've had on this show, and if something in an interview or with a caller or anything, he'll go, oh wait a minute, wait a back up a minute, and he'll go there because yeah and i notice you guys do a very similar thing when somebody brings something up i was listening to who was it nicky campbell and he would bring something up and you would oh wait a minute i want to know it was it was very simple i forget which one of you said it he was just talking about his dog and you just said have you always liked animals and like and then away he went and I think that's actually quite rare in particularly in live broadcasting where the clock is the issue. And mm. and it's something that your podcast does really, really well. So that that's probably why yeah. you got nominated for the British Podcast Award. <laughs> oh, well, that's very sweet of you to say. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Just, it's always um, weird to hear. I mean, obviously, you're very good at what you do. So it's always nice um, to hear yeah. From, yeah. from other broadcasters to say that, you know, you've you've done something well when when you feel like you're winging it every week. But it's interesting <laughs> that thing you were saying about the, the, the open-ending this. I mean, I would say, like Jim and I have noticed, I would say in the last month, how long the podcasts have started. Well, the become. Nicky Campbell one was was epic. <laughs> well, we, we've we've beaten that. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've gone over two and a half hours, I think, last week with Kevin Day, wasn't it? So, you know, yeah. they're getting longer and longer. And, you know, it's, no, it's not intentional, obviously. It's just the way it's... It, that, you know, people, and, and there will be other weeks where it's, you know, where we're, we're stretching to an hour. But, you know, it's it's interesting that people are feeling more or feeling able to to talk for that long and, and to feel comfortable talking for that long, you know, and, and allowing that sort of process to happen very organically. Um, the Kevin Day one was two and a half hours. I needed yeah. a wee about an hour in, <laughs> I think. So, I mean, it was it was painful. Joel just got me. Afterwards, for top of tails, I walked out the door like an old man. I was hunched over trying to get downstairs. It was oh, it was like it was like back inside me. It was well, Joe Rogan, um, they just get up and they go to the loo. He just I should have done that. I mean, I, I know yeah. I've known Kevin a long time, so I should have just done that. But it's interesting you talk about sort of podcasts in the long form. We had, we had uh, Laura Whitmore, which actually come out today, I think that episode. Yes, that was that, yeah. And um, she was talking about podcasts and how she hates doing. 
uh, press junket stuff or normal interviews. And like you say, Graham, they are timed. They want to get straight to a point and not a conversation. She really likes doing podcasts. One, because it is, it's more of a relaxed conversation and you get to really sort of your personality can come out more. But two, because she feels that when you do a podcast, you can't be misquoted. If you're doing an interview, your quote can be taken out of context because the only person that's got the original recording of that is the interviewer. If you do a podcast and then someone writes a story off the back of it and you get misquoted, you can say, well, no, 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 the context is in the original podcast. Go and listen to it. The original source material is out there forever. So she was saying that's why celebrities like doing podcasts more because they feel safer doing them. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting point you bring up too, is that podcasts are out there forever. Unlike broadcasting, which a lot of the times, I mean, I know a lot of it's archives uh, these days, but you know, people don't go looking for it. Where podcasts are actually, the archiving comes first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> archived before you listen to it. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, that is a that is a good point. You'll get more out of your guests. You'll get more out of these people because they'll feel more relaxed and they'll feel more comfortable sharing interesting stories about themselves because they know that the context they say it in is going to be preserved rather than uh, mistreated. So I just thought that was. I wonder if that's the way we're going to go forward and you'll see less and less, sorry, fewer and fewer, my wife will kill me for that, uh, fewer <laughs> and fewer press junkets and normal interviews and you'll see more long-form podcast interviews because celebrities will feel more comfortable doing them. Let's hope so, eh, Jim? It's Blank Podcast, which is at number three this week on the Pod 20. Number two, Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Lockdown Parenting Hell. Parenting, just not as you know it, And at number one for the second week in a row. All the best and worst with Mr. and Mrs. Hinch. Join Sophie and Jamie as they give exclusive access behind the doors of Hinch House. That's it for episode 47 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Bildo and Lindelin, Tim Sylvie, Maria Passingham, Paul Blanchard, Edward Hardy, and Jim Daly, and Giles Paley Phillips. Next week, my special guests will be broadcasting legends, who used to be part of the Kevin and Bean show on the world-famous K-Rock in Los Angeles, Ali McKay and Gene Bean Baxter. They got a great podcast called A Cup of Tea and a Chat with Ali and Bean. It's always fun when friends that you have separately get to meet each other. This is really fun for me because I have this whole long relationship with Graham and this whole long relationship with Ali. And now I feel like you guys know each other. And it's just, it's fun to, especially in COVID times, it's so nice to be able to expand our bubble a little bit and invite a few more people in, even if it's only virtually. Ali and Bean, my special guests next week on the Pod 20. If you'd like to watch extended video chats with my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. What will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.